Historically, there's no shortage of people that have impact consciousness, right? Meaning, I want to make the world better. You know, I want to help this. I want to do that. But many times they're broke, right? They've got no money flowing through their ideas. So I'll let the listener imagine, you know, how that worked out. Yeah. Likewise, there were in history, no shortage of people who cracked the wealth consciousness code. They learned how to make money come to them. Okay. Mm -hmm. I truly believe the future of moving the world in a better direction will come when you have both equal parts, wealth consciousness and impact consciousness. Yes. You have the consciousness that can increase the flow of money through you. And you've got the consciousness of, yes, here's what I will do with that money to make other people's lives better. Right. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of uh, the show. And I am so happy, so excited because today uh, I have my man, Mr. Alok, a virtual in front of me. And really, I'm excited because A, he's Indian. This is the first Indian guest I have um, um, as an entrepreneur. I have had before, but more from the IT background, technology entrepreneurs, but from the work he does and be just because of his energy and that you will feel as we get in a couple of minutes into the show, you will see why I'm excited. Um, you can talk so much about people and their accolades. His accolade is his energy, his energy talks for him. So without further ado, Mr. Alok, over to you and welcome. Oh, my, my man, it's such a joy to be here. Just just sharing sharing time with you gets me Gets me going. Yeah, amazing. So, so we'll get into uh, your backstory later. This time, I thought I'll ask you because of what is happening in the world today. Like all of a sudden, this last year, we've seen the world is experiencing the same thing. Whether you're sitting in India, UK, or US, everybody is experiencing the same thing. And as that shift is happening, um, and all this great resignation and people leaving jobs. How do you see as a entrepreneur, as a person who trains entrepreneurs to make successful business, how do you see the shift? I think there's a massive awakening going on. You, you're so right that there's a there's a unity consciousness happening right now that's different than I think what people assume unity consciousness might have looked like. Right, like yeah. we're all we all are sharing the same experience around the world, um, and you know I I just allow that to lead us into another set of ideas around like, what else do we share? Like if we can realize that we have such a shared commonality of our experience, like where else can we take that? Right? So I truly believe that we as humans are hardwired to serve. We love serving. We love making other people's lives better. Right? So amidst all the kind of divisiveness or division of culture or geography, we start seeing, wow, we're all having this shared experience. Huh? I wonder what else is shared, right? Where we can actually have a more coming together, right? We can start letting go of the divisiveness to realize, yeah, like, well, you know, what does it feel like to build a business that makes other people's lives better? Huh? <laughs> right. And now people with the great resignation are beginning to open up and go, huh, well, you know, what might I do to make the world a better place? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, you said it rightly. It's awakening. It's, uh, 
uh, you know, the COVID put us into place where we started to look on, down the things that we were putting in the closet. Okay, it doesn't matter. My boss is narcissist, doesn't matter. My job makes me do these things, doesn't matter. Or my relationship or my bank balance, whatever it was, we were just putting in a closet and all of a sudden the closet disappeared. <laughs> we had no choice to but see it. <laughs> So <laughs> we are on the awakening moment and uh, a lot of it is happening. So how coming to your backstory, uh, yeah, and you know, you've been somebody who has run purpose-driven businesses before, um, and you've been on TEDx, you've been on featured with Tony Robbins, Bob's, you know, I can go on and on and on, but through your own journey, it shifted where it was no longer about a lock. It was about the impact, which we'll get in with your book also later on. But could you walk through that journey of yourself, that transformation or awakening happening in your life as you experienced? Yeah, you know, I had been on a 20-year journey to create mission-driven businesses. And yes, you know, you're you're so right. There's all these highlights, these amazing elements. But, I, you know, I think the piece that I would really like to speak into is in 2016, losing everything. And I was living in a one-room studio. I didn't have a car. I had to look down at my four-year-old son at the time who would be sound asleep in the one bed that we had that we shared. Um, uh, and I had to ask, like, how did this happen? Like, how did I get here? How did I get to this moment? And, you know, for someone like me where I had put everything on the line many times to try to be a social entrepreneur or a mission-driven entrepreneur. Um, I was baffled in that moment. Like how, how did the wheels fall off? Right. Uh, you have the right heart, the right intention, the right work ethic, the right commitment, the right dedication. What was I missing? And there was really that sort of, you know, um, coming to God moment, right? Where I had to raise my hand and realize the thing that I wasn't doing that everybody else was, that, that successful people around me were doing was I wasn't asking for help. I, I wasn't raising my hand and being courageous and, and allowing and being vulnerable actually to allow that I, I didn't always know what I was doing. And instead, because I was embarrassed, I would hide that, mm. right? And so that, that, ability to start shedding the ego, shedding the pride. And so you're right. I started as the Aloka Potheri brand and, you know, I would just start coaching people and helping them with sales and various things. And then it, it emerged because if I'm being honest, um, I didn't actually ever feel comfortable marketing my personal name. Mm. It just, it just like, you know, some people set out to be a guru, like not me. Uh, I didn't like it. So you are correct. There was just a beautiful transition moment. I want all of you listening to really trust if you're having that same hesitation and maybe, you know, you're, you're striking out, you're resigning from that job and you're going to build your own business. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with building a personal brand around your name, nothing wrong with it at all, but it's about comfort level. And I didn't have that comfort level, even though we were succeeding in the business cross six figures and then multiple six figures, but I knew I was listening for something. And when one night laying on my couch, I was playing around with some ideas. I was tapping into my creative imagination, which I want all of you to know, you have the biggest wealth generating technology ever, which is your human mind. Mm. So I laid there and I kept asking this question of like, 
what's next? Because this personal brand doesn't really feel right. And that's when Uplift Millions emerged. And I quickly knew, Manfred, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is it, you know? But then I was like, is this it? I'm pretty yeah. sure that, you know, um, but by the end of the night, I knew that the universe had gifted me the entire runway in that moment. And we mm. never looked back. Mm. Um, amazing. A few questions. Uh, first of all, when you were at this moment where you lost everything, right? Oof. Yeah. Uh, and you said you were questioning how did that go wrong and you were able to figure out. But so many times, you know, we hold on to the things like, you know, there may be somebody listening to this who's near to that moment where they're losing everything or they're not losing, but they're holding. Okay, I cannot let go of this job. But I sense, you know, that so many times the thing that we are holding so strong, when you lose that, that's when the next thing happens. Like if you didn't lost that everything in 2016, Uplift Millions would never have come because your mind was there trapped in those things, right? Um, what would you tell the people who are in the similar situation? What could they do that can help them uh, overcome those villains or that situations or accept it in a way? Yeah, if you're listening and you know maybe you're in a complicated moment or maybe you're in a job you don't like or maybe you're, you know, Maybe you're at that moment that I was at where you're at, it's literally bottom of the barrel, right? Um, and I want everybody to know you don't have to hit the bottom of the barrel moment if you can listen to other people's bottom of the barrel moments and channel and tap into the transformation that's occurring for them. Uh, you can channel that without actually having to lose everything in order to make super powerful decisions. So what I would say to them is don't let your evidence of your current circumstance cage you into someone who doesn't have a vision of what's possible. Mm -hmm. So what many people will do is they'll build their current identity based on their current evidence of their circumstances, right? Like, so what I, what we have to do is there's one word, Faith, faith, okay? Like these moments, if you're listening and, you know, maybe you're channeling where I was at at 2016, like this is going to test your faith. And either you're going to say, nope, world's out to screw me. Everything's going against me. Um, and you wave that flag, right? And essentially you move into what we call victim energy where you're blaming everybody else for why your life is the way that it is. By the way, that used to be me, right? Well, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that. And that's how I lost everything. And look at me, woe is me in this one room studio with no car. And see, that's the victim energy to my circumstances, right? Uh, maybe somebody has a job that pays them well, but they're miserable. And so then they blame, well, I've got my family and my kids and I got to pay for, you know, school tuition and clothes. I could never leave my job, you know, and so then you stay miserable and then you start resenting everybody around you. So the most important decision, number one, is have faith, have faith that even in the moments where it doesn't seem true, 
The world is working for you, not against you. See, I, I always say to people, it's in your hardest moments. Can you still keep your philosophies? See, it's easy to go. The world's working for me when everything's working great. Can you still believe the world is working for you? The universe is working for you. God is working for you in the moments where your evidence doesn't seem to be telling you that. See, the reason I can say that, Monpreet, is that I look back and I'm like, now I realize that 2016 was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. Now, friends of mine might have looked at me back then and thought I was a lunatic if I were to tell them, hey, what's happening to me right now is the best thing that could happen. But it really is. So I really encourage your listeners, can you see the silver lining? Can you ask yourself, how is this a gift to me right now? Can you ask yourself, what would you regret not having done in your lifetime if you just were to stay running in the life that you're in right now? So these were the questions that motivated me and it was deep faith and it was <laughs> some almost bolt loose crazy that this has to be going in a good direction you know <laughs> that's amazing um it reminded of me um, of a quote by one of the famous indian point mirza Ghalib, but i'll translate and he may lose the meaning but he said that sometimes um you know um, i got so many problems thrown at me that it became easy to handle, like, because so many, it couldn't have gone worse that it became easy. That only thing you could have done in that point was to think, how could I change it? And I think that's what happens, but that comes with the faith. What is faith to you, Alok? Like when you say faith is such a big one to some people it's religion, some people it's just blaming in something. How do you see faith for yourself? What is it for you? Thank you for asking that. that. That's that's this deep, man. This is the real right here. Um, you know, faith for me is, and I'll just speak in my language, and and your listeners can translate for whatever makes sense. Because I really want everyone to hear that I I truly have no belief system that I feel anybody else needs to believe. Yeah. Right? Um, we have so much divisiveness in the world around belief systems. Right? Mm -hmm. um, your God versus my God. It's like. Well, I, I just believe, I, I don't, I mean, this might get a little uncomfortable for some people. Uh, I grew up, you know, my, my, my father is from South India. My late mother was from rural upstate New York. You know, she came from a Christian background. My father comes from a Hindu Brahmin background, right? I mean, we got some, you know. Complex. Yeah, right. And so I'll be honest with your listeners, like, I was always super confused in all these faith systems. Mm. And so at about age 13, I just simplified it down. I would go to India and I would go to all the temples and then I would go to upstate New York and I'd go to the churches. And I was like, man, like all these people, like think everybody else is wrong, you know? And we had this very kind of binary right, wrong world. Mm. Uh, and so for me, Manpreet at 13 years old, faith simplified. It just was like, well, I don't really know who's right and who's wrong. But all I know is that there's a God and I'm pretty sure I'm connected to God. Mm. And that was it. And I was like, you can call it whatever you want. You can build whatever buildings and all of that. And that's beautiful. And that's why I can go around the world and I can feel a spiritual connection wherever I go because 
I don't, I don't really see the divisiveness. I just believe in a connection to the divine, whatever you call it, like, mm. you know, source, universe, God, Yahweh, like, mm. so for me, it is a, uh, my faith is in the fact that there is a divine universal wisdom that when we tap in and open our consciousness, we get to tap in and that, that wisdom gets to pour through us. We just get to be channels of that. And when we can trust that there is an orchestration afoot, even in the moments like when my mother died in my arms in the bathroom of her home and I carried her dead body searching for the pulse in her neck, which is one of the stories I, I talk about in the book, um, how did that work for me, not against me? Now you might, in the moment, it was devastating. But now, you know, 13 years later, it was a huge gift to me, even though I never wished for it. But it changed my life irrevocably. And I've changed my life for the better, even though I didn't desire it. So that's my faith is now whenever things get complicated, whenever things don't seem to be going right, maybe it's in my business, maybe it's in my, my personal relationship, um, I trust. I trust and I lean into faith that I'm supposed to be learning something in that moment, that there's a gift in the moment, um, even in the hardest of the moments. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. I, I've heard, uh, you, you know, uh, your mother's story and every time touches me because just takes into that moment, like I can go and see um, how, you know, a, son can feel with the mother because it's a very special bond um and learning from that is just a huge so uh thank you for sharing that um and thank you for <laughs> you know uh, talking about the faith because i think so many people are afraid these days to just talk about what they believe in it's because they're afraid of judgment because there are so many people with the opposing thoughts and just because people have opposing thoughts doesn't mean one is true i mean both could be true but how does that truth come across at the moment and and i think that's what is happening in the world today and 2020 is just bringing it up um you mentioned that you know when we are in the moments uh, of despair when we're down to nothing and we have the faith and you know and just like you channel Uplift Million and you knew, it was just something, but you know, you made, you were able to receive that something then to become, you know, something bigger. That At that point setting, uh, you probably didn't know, like, you know, it was just Uplift Million is a name, right? So somebody who's down there, who doesn't know how do I listen or how do I receive, because it's not, like Alok has magic. <laughs> he has something that he has magic that he only, he gets it. So somebody yeah. who is in that state, I want to listen more, but I don't know where to start. Yeah. How do I listen to this divine wisdom or whatever they want to call it or to the faith where I am able to receive what life is showing me? Mm. Oh. Another word I'll share with your listeners is magic. Mm. Magic. So I would say the first step is literally, can you open up to the wonder of life's unfolding? Mm. And we either believe that 
magic happens or it doesn't. I, I just finished a team call this morning and rather than get into all the strategies of, you know, our next marketing campaigns and conversion events and all this stuff, I told them the story of something that literally unfolded on Friday that had so many layers of another word is synchronicity, serendipity. Uh, you might hear certain people say, you'll never believe what happened to me, right? Like you, people will start noticing that certain things kind of keep opening up and unfolding for some people, but not others. Why? And I will truly, I truly believe at this point that it's those people actually believe in a magic underneath it all. Hmm. And then those things start happening more and more and more. First and foremost is uh, if you're looking to connect to the divine or you're looking to tap into that universal consciousness or that universal wisdom, or you're not even sure what the heck this guy's talking about, you know, right now, what I would say is first and foremost, um, you don't need any other humans to connect you with mm -hmm. God or divine. A, a lot of other humans will tell you <laughs> that you need them in order to get to God. Okay. And a lot of other humans probably will charge you a bunch of money, you mm -hmm. know, in various forms to be your kind. No, I truly believe you already are directly connected to God. You already are an expression of God's wisdom. You're already, you know, it already is. It's already happening inside of you. It's not like a thing you have to search for or, right? But can you listen? Here, here's a question that I ask often. God, what would you have me do right now? And then I stop talking and I just listen. I'll sit by my fire on the balcony and I'll just listen. And then maybe, maybe I'm having a conflict with my partner, Caitlin, or, and, and, and I'll literally say, God, what would you have me do right now? What would you have me say to her? And you'll start noticing that, that truths will emerge in your mind. And that is source speaking through you in that moment. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. And I mean, I've been a person of faith, like I was raised fake, so I had, had those values. And I, even though I wasn't very religious, uh, you know, I had the faith, like I knew there was something, right? And But I, I would admit that I wasn't as consciously aware as I am now in this uh, uh, season of my life. And one of the things I've learned is, is when you start to become aware, you start to listen like you are small small things will uh, start to show up and you know magic synchronicities um, like this wouldn't have happened if i was not listening 2020 i was still busy with my job me and a lot of possibility right so um i you know for the people um listening just like alok said you don't have to go to somebody just ask a question and this is where i think we are not taught we we are taught um, in organized religions in our faith okay you go to church temple you know you ask god for help there you're not taught to ask help when you're sitting anywhere in your place like you could be sitting in a couch in a toilet in a bath just ask for help and and then just be shut up <laughs> receive it that's yeah i think it's brilliant because a lot of times we ask help and we don't listen then uh, uh, that is amazing um, so i mean i've had as, i've had as spiritual moments in um 
you know, the, some of the temple towns in South India, mm. as I've had at some of the cathedrals in England, as I've had sitting at the rim of the Grand Canyon, mm. as I've had sitting in the bathroom of my house. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, bathroom is a, a phenomenal place. Yeah, it is the place where you belong <laughs> most, right? This is the place you're alone, like, really, and that's where it can happen. If you can get enlightenment, the chances are bathroom is the place, one place. <laughs> totally. This is one of the best moments ever right here, by the way. This is an instant classic. I hope everybody's listening because that is – that it might be the biggest golden nugget that you're going <laughs> to yeah. yeah. Maybe the title of this uh, today's episode is How to Get Enlightened in Bathroom. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Listen listen to what emerges in the bathroom. <laughs> golden, golden right there. So, um, you know, coming to um, from your successful now that you have since 2016 since you started uplift million you have been very successful coaching business and this is why i'm excited because uh when uh and you probably don't uh, you don't know this alok so when i came to know alok because i wanted to transform or get into coaching business i was already speaking to somebody else very similar money range right it wasn't that it was very different but there was something about you, Alok, when I spoke to you, I didn't have that money objection anymore. Right. It was the same money, probably the same content, the way it was driven like that. Content, but it was energy. And, um, and this is why I, I think it's a good point to bring your book into it because uh, you talk a lot about how big money energy or money energy changes the consciousness. So let's talk about your new book, Maximum Impact. Um, I don't have the book yet. I'm still waiting. Um, but talk about what it is about and who is it for, and then we'll get into the energy side of things, energy side of things. Yeah, the book is the book is my 20-year journey to build impact-driven businesses, but to be honest, Montpreet, the book's not about me. Yeah. Uh, you might end up reading some stories in there, you know, that have to do for my journey, but the book's really not about me. The book is about you. The book is about you and everybody out there whose lives it might come in contact with. I really want the reader, you know, if you go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever your, whatever your platform is, and you pick up a copy of Maximum Impact Potential, uh, it, it re please read it as a book about you hmm. and read it as a reflection of your journey. Read it as a signpost along your path. Uh, this is really, yeah, this is, this is, this is not like some brag fest or whatever. It's really just, I, I want my desire is, you know, for people who don't necessarily have four figures or five figures to invest in a coaching, you know, for 18 bucks, I want to lay out a path that can lay the foundation for anybody to tap into what we call MIP, mm. which is maximum impact potential. What is your maximum impact potential? So a lot of entrepreneurs will read this book, but I also believe people in corporate, how are we shaping businesses and culture from a lens of uplifting other, other people? 
Mm. Uh, and so it really, it shares a lot of the gems in there for anybody who actually cares about changing the world for the better. Uh, I truly believe it will change their life. Mm. So you mentioned, just in the name is maximum impact potential. So what is impact? I mean, why should somebody care about impact? I'm making my money. I'm making my living. What is it? You know, for me, impact is both positive and negative, right? Mm. We are making impact every single day, right? Mm. Uh, if I live in the United States, just simply being alive and the decisions I make will have an impact, right? Mm. So once you realize that you're actually not just making money and going to your job and coming home and you know, uh, microwaving a frozen dinner out of the freezer. And you think you're just living your life and it's not really about impact, but your life is impactful. The question is what impact will it make? Yes. And so once we start awakening and going, huh, I'm going to make an impact. Like all of your decisions add up to your impact anyway. So now we start going, well, some, some of us are beginning to say, well, I'd like my life to matter. Yes. I'd like my life to matter. I'd like to feel like my life made a difference. I'd like to, a lot of us, if you, you know, if you go from the Tony Robbins world, there's, you know, those six human needs. And one of them is to, is contribution, right? Mm. Or significance, I think he calls it, right? The need to feel significant. Well, what does that mean, right? In my case, I want to get to my, I had a spiritual experience actually driving in North India at 19, going from Delhi to Agra to go see the Taj. And it was a hair raising drive. And my 80 year old self basically sat next to me and asked me, you know, what'd you do with your life? Did it matter? And who'd you spend your time with? Yeah. Right. And that changed everything for me. Everything. I was, I was going to be an investment banker. Uh, I literally it was like the brakes on my life got hit. I went back to university, rebuilt the entire path because I was like, I, I want to live a life of purpose. I want to live a life that I feel like I'm, make, I'm contributing to the improvement of, of other people's lives, not just my own. So when we move from I, from me to we, hmm. what does that mean? So if you're thinking about impact, it's not that you've got to like go do something around the world. No, hmm. but, but what is your biggest contribution to the improvement of circumstances for someone other than yourself. Mm. And then when people start tasting that, they're like, oh, that tastes good. I, I want to do more of that, right? And so we start unlocking their maximum impact potential during their lifetime. And it is true. Like I was reading there, was, I was listening to, trying to remember whether it was Tony Robbins or somebody, uh, they mentioned um, that there was a study done Actually, it was Lewis Hose. He, he mentioned there was a study done, um, and in the study, it said that they basically looked at all the people who have been successful, all walks of life, and not people not successful, and they were trying to figure out at what point money becomes enough or irrelevant, and um, and the impact comes in. And they said once your you know daily needs are met which in U.S. is about 70,000 and different country could be equivalent. Uh, but once you get to that line, that's when you start asking, okay, what is there? Because now you have the money to make your daily living. Then you start to feel like, okay, this is not getting me that 
kick or what I wanted from my life, what is there next? And that's when people start to find the impact, the significance. Uh, and it's so true, I'm, I've seen it. And a lot of people who don't realize it because they are still in the sleep mode, I say, because I was sleeping for a while. Um, and um, and that's where I think your book brings a, a important discussion on the money energy versus wealth energy, right? Um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, it's I, so I talk about there, there's a concept I have called four circles of contribution. Mm-hmm. And many of the entrepreneurs that come into my orbit want to change the world, right? And so I use the four circles of contribution to help people uh, first and foremost just come to terms with where they're at. Okay, so the first circle is in the middle, and that is where you're able to earn enough to take care of yourself. And then the second circle of contribution is where you earn enough where you can take care of yourself and you can provide for your family. Mm. <laughs> Third circle is where you earn enough where you can provide for yourself, your family, and now you can start taking care of your community, mm. right? Maybe you're able to donate to local nonprofits or uh, invest more time into causes that matter. The fourth circle is where you earn so much money that you can start making ripple effects around the world. Okay. So I just say to people, identify which of those circles you're at. And in order to move to one of the outer circles, we need more money energy to flow through us. Mm. And so this is where, you know, we talk about the intersection of what we call wealth consciousness and impact consciousness. Mm. Okay. Historically, there's no shortage of people that have impact consciousness, right? Meaning I want to make the world better. You know, I want to help this. I want to do that. But many times they're broke, right? They've got no money flowing through their ideas. So I'll let the listener imagine, you know, how that worked out. Yeah. Likewise, there were in history, no shortage of people who cracked the wealth consciousness code. They learned how to make money come to them. Okay. Mm. I truly believe the future of moving the world in a better direction will come when you have both equal parts wealth consciousness and impact consciousness. You have the consciousness that can increase the flow of money through you. And you've got the consciousness of, yes, here's what I will do with that money to make other people's lives better. Yeah. uh, And so huge. And I I think you are right. I mean, that's why we have this great resignation because the wealth consciousness is not working. People want uh, you know, the people at the top, just about wealth consciousness, if the companies, uh, especially the companies who were doing very well and 2020, they started getting people uh, fired or g- giving them furloughs. Whereas these are the same companies who call them families before, right? <laughs> and then when the time, tough time came, actual family showed up, right? The reality of the family. That's why people are leaving. So. I, I truly believe that too, that um, not only because you need to have this uh, wealth consciousness and um, impact consciousness because you want to build those business, but even for people to come and work because they want to feel that they're making that difference. Like, you know, you, you don't want to just work for somebody anymore who's just about money because yeah, this is at Uplift Millions. At Uplift Millions, this is what we we call blue zone leadership, and there's a there's a massive movement 
a foot. And, you know, the old way of doing things was, and, and your listeners may be familiar with this, which is profit at all costs, right? Um, burn down the environment, uh, poor people are expendable, women are expendable, brown people are expendable. You know, as long as you make profit at all costs, you're a good business leader, right? Yeah. That's the old way. And I call this uh, red zone leadership. And when I was at a ceremony in Costa Rica, I had a, tr I, I had a big aha that 20 years of my work, it literally came into my vision, was like, oh, the world is red right now. Meaning it's primarily let, has historically been led by red zone leaders running red zone businesses that have, you know, at times not been beneficial for a collective whole, a very extractionary form of business, right? Um, I truly believe there's an emergence of what we call blue zone leaders, right? These are leaders who value the environment, who value women, who value people of color, right? Who are beginning to say, wait a second, those old ways, like just earning profit, like is not the only form of joy that a business can run, can enjoy, right? And so I think there's more and more leaders. And by the way, ask, you know, I'll challenge your listeners to ask this. Do you think in 50 years, workers will be picking which companies they work for based on the same reasons as 50 years ago. <laughs> you know that. And the pandemic has only accelerated, yeah. right? That workers are wanting to work for employers that have that where there's a shared set of core values. Hmm. That's a very different conversation than 10 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. And, and and just because the dynamics and that shift has happened, not only the people at the top have to shift, you know, workers are shifting too. And what I saw, uh, you know, coming from an engineering background, um, uh, you know, a lot of times when people, and I've seen it both levels, uh, as an engineer, they get a job and all the focus is on their hard skills, the job skills. They may uh, uh, do a course. If the company offers, they'll do that course and sort of, uh, you know, step up the ladder in the company. And similar, the bosses and the executives, they just feel like, you know, that they've arrived, the entitlement that, okay. Whereas when I look at the, what you call as blue zone leadership is these are the leaders who are always investing. Like when I look at you, not only you're investing in your uh, leadership styles, uh, you're investing in your spiritual growth, you're investing in your physical growth, and that's the people you want to be with. Um, so when somebody is, you know, so let's say somebody who is an engineer, um, just getting a job or have been in a career, they want to shift, they want to bring about transformation in their life so they can have not only the impact, not only the uh, wealth, but they are, you know, they are, they may not be the entrepreneur, but they are the blue zone people. How do they bring that uh, or how do they cultivate that transformation? 
Yeah, they don't, you know, people don't have to be an entrepreneur to be a blue zone leader, right? You might, you might be a middle manager in a company. You might be a senior manager in a company. You might even be C-suite in a company, Mm -hmm. right? And you get to begin to start uh, asking yourself, how can I start leading with more heart than just greed? Mm -hmm. With more heart than just greed. Knowing that that shift actually is what will create a vibrational frequency of attraction for high-level uh, talent into your orbit, right? It's an amazing thing. We, you know, it used to be seen as like a sacrifice, right? Like, oh, okay, let's bring some heart, you know, and do it for a, a good report to the board, you know? No, it's like it actually is going to create a workplace. Like what we're seeing is that workplace is driven by fear are actually less productive. Mm. I mean, so we have evidence. It's no longer even anecdotal yeah. that these are positive to make. So I would just, I would say to the listeners, you know, how would you lead? Because you're all leaders. You know, I'm not here to collect followers. I'm here to collect leaders. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want leaders around me, right? Like whatever your position is, you know, when I lost everything in 2016, I had to swallow my pride, swallow my ego. And in order to put food on the table for my son, I took a customer service job inside an, a company that a friend of mine said, you need exposure to this company. And I, I literally had a swore, I had to beg for that job because my disc profile aligned me with the CEO of that company, not with the customer service agents of that company. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in so doing, you get to see and realize like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, you might have to make some short-term sacrifices, but when you open yourself up to growth and you open yourself up to learning, uh, the universe will literally lay out a, a magical path for you that just might not be what you ever thought was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is why, I mean, you, because you humbled, it opened your heart, like it, you had to follow that ego to that heart to get open at. and have a very different impact-driven company that you have because I've worked with the people that you work. So I know firsthand, uh, you know, if I was in the job market, I would be, you know, reaching out, hello, I want, do you have anything? Because I know I, it, it's not about the money, it's about the impact that I can create. And I know um, that I won't be cheated. Like so many times people go into the companies they know they will be cheated, right? When I went to, for years when I went to my annual appraisal, I knew I would be cheated, right? Uh, and people go on there and they don't have expectation. They're like, okay, I'm not gonna go get anything. And they and it was becoming normal. And I'm so glad 2020 is just like, it's not normal. It's not normal anymore. Uh, and conversations are changing and people who are yet not changing are, not going to be there for a long time because you know guess what people are finding the jobs that uh, attract so one of the things i used to hear um uh in when i worked in corporate america was business i you know as and this was coming from business leaders as a business leader i'm unemotional that i don't make emotional judge decisions ah. and and I could never understand, like, if you're dealing with people, how could you be unemotional about that? Like you, yes, I understand investing with the rational thinking, but 
dealing with people and not being unemotional how does that work and as a person oh my running the company now with so many people what's your take on whether somebody should be emotional empathetic uh opening up to their uh people that they work with or they should have their like this hand okay you are you just work for me and i'm your boss and let's just get the business done yeah i've always been the leader that was accused of being like the naive uh what's the term uh, idealist mm. naive idealist right which is oh that that thoughtful sensitive visionary leader he'll grow up one day and 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 realize that business is not about emotions mm. right that that's the, my whole journey i've had business partners i've had so many people sort of almost you know coddle me right like you'll grow up one day and become unemotional in business um and uh, i'm so glad i didn't listen to them um that's the old way that's red zone leadership right there's no feelings this is just about making money all right and are we going to do a deal or not do a deal um i i couldn't disagree more with that um especially if you desire to be what we call a heart centered leader right one who actually is building things based on a collective good right so if we're not just looking to take care of ourselves and not just needing to focus on our family but really starting to think into that beauty of the collective whole uh which is that unity consciousness that you and I opened our our talk with here today in a different form right the forced unity of the pandemic um we're realizing that we get to come together here and so my my view is that emotions are actually rocket fuel for your business mm-hmm. not a hindrance not an inconvenience and what we're seeing is that businesses that can actually build rich real human connections are the ones that are set up for huge futures so i i believe the opposite well the one thing i will say here is that where i have grown is that sure within running a heartfelt business there are some decisions that do get to be made unemotionally yes. right so it's not an either or but in our culture it is emotions driving mm-hmm. and then it's identifying the unemotional moments that i do have to make whether it's firing somebody letting them you know like those are not the easiest they do need to be made but even when we let people go i do it with to my best of my ability with love with care with an intentionality of can we help them get another position on somebody else's team mm. you know um so you know love and care can be part of your culture at all parts of the process yeah yeah and you said the important word culture how can you have a culture without emotion right <laughs> you're not building that's not culture that's factory amazing amazing all right now off to some light stuff a lot of hard stuff <laughs> deep thinking ah! how does a log you know well when he is not working as coaching um side of things and uh he's just being a log father a husband 
what do you do for fun what brings joy to a lock outside the world i love pouring candles <laughs> i love pouring candles my name means light i i don't know if this was intentional but uh i i i love pouring candles yep you've got one right there i hand pour every one of those it's fun it's meditative relaxing um i love the smells i love thinking about other people enjoying them and smiling uh we love to travel. I love road trips and driving through random places that don't seem to be much of anything, but usually are absolutely fascinating to me. Uh, I love eating ice cream. Um, and <laughs> uh, I love watching movies and just hanging and chilling and, and, and uh, just being, being together. Caitlin and I sat by the fire last night and we, we just enjoyed being, and um, that's something I'm looking to do more of. Yes, amazing. Um, so, uh, you know, one last question. I'm, I know I said no more work talk, but one thing just popped up and I thought it would be good for the people. Since you have had privilege uh, of coaching more than 500 people, helping them take their businesses to the next level, somebody from getting from scratch to launch, somebody from scaling up, you know, when some when somebody is not able to take their business in control or scale up or not able to make a shift in there, what is one or, uh, you know, what are a couple of things that stop them from going to their next and what can they do? You know, you must have noticed some things that just stand out every time when people are not moving. First and foremost, your race, your pace, mm. your race, your pace. So don't compare your progress or your speed to somebody else's because it'll only create suffering, which will only actually slow down your progress. It won't speed up your progress. So your pace, your race. Mm. And, um, and it's also to understand that your timing may be different than somebody else's. Um, the seeds that are planted might take a little bit more time to germinate. That doesn't make you a failure or make, you know, it's just to allow that your timeline is going at exactly the pace that your timeline is meant to go and um, to not succumb to frustration. Uh, and, and, you know, as my bracelet says that we make by hand is never give up, hmm. never give up, just one foot in front of the other keep going. I want, I want you all to know, I, I have, I have fallen down multiple times. I've had multiple ideas that I put my full heart and soul and my life savings on the line for, and it hasn't always worked out. Mm. Keep going, keep believing mm. in yourself, keep uh, asking for more help. I mean, my earliest challenges were because I was embarrassed, insecure, worried that people would think I was a fraud if I asked for help. And so then I would just fake it until I made it, you know, mm. and, and I would compensate with hard work, right? Mm. Longer hours, more grind, get up earlier, stay longer at the office. No, raise your hand, surround yourself with, with, with mentors and coaches and leaders and guides, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't really matter. Surround yourself with community 
mm-hmm. other people who are powerful creators, right? It's not just about the coach or the mentor, right? It's like, what are other people doing, right? What, what can you learn from them? How can you uplift them? How can you contribute? Um, but I would just say that the simplest answer is if, if something is not clicking in your business, number one, don't quit. Don't give up. You might have to give up on that particular business, but don't give up on yourself. Yeah. Right? Sure. Any individual business idea may or may not gain traction, but don't quit on yourself. Yeah. Number two, don't build businesses that you want to build. Build businesses that other people need. Mm. Right? Uh, the factor after 500 clients, the, the, the ones that end up getting the biggest results and not even necessarily the fastest, mm-hmm. but just over time, most courageous, most coachable, and those that are open to simplicity. Mm-hmm. So they'll rather than being stubborn or resistant, they'll just allow the universe to guide in the direction that they're supposed to go and they'll take clear action, right? So it's courageous. Then there is the evolution of being, right? So the version of this person that you're talking about who might be struggling in their business is not the same version of themselves who's going to fix the business, who's going to actually get it to turn the corner. So courage, up-level your beingness, and then raise your hand and ask for help and then be super coachable to make the changes. Beautiful, beautiful. That's the mic drop right there. <laughs> uh, yes, it was, I think that sums it up. Whenever you're in your journey of transformation, um, you know, if you do all these three things, something is gonna get up, you know, work out. So, how can people find more and uh, more of your work? How can they connect with you? What's the best way? I think the best way, honestly, is to go to we.upliftmillions.com. We.upliftmillions.com. Um, yeah, we've got a full ecosystem. Uh, there's trainings in there. It's an amazing ecosystem of incredible people, primarily entrepreneurs, right, who mm-hmm. want to lead with their heart. Um, but eventually the platform is going to really be a portal for anybody, to, no matter what they're doing, to who wants to participate in Uplifting Millions can go there. So I would just say, go there, um, begin to soak in what's there. I do a lot of free events and lots of other things, but that, that's a great starting place. And then go pick up the book, which is upliftmillions.com slash book. Hmm. Upliftmillions.com slash book. Maximum Impact Potential. I'll have them in show notes. And, um, you know, I can say uh, to everybody from my own experience, because I can only give from my experience, I wouldn't be having a low care if I hadn't experienced something six months prior, right? It's experience that brings in. And I I can vouch for a look. One thing, like I mentioned, it's the energy. You can sense, you can have somebody, funny salesperson talking to you, but if you just, for a minute, sit down, quiet, you sense the energy and that's the energy unlock. You know, he's authentic. He's going to give you results. Uh, sorry, not results. He's going to give you things that can get you results. You have to get the results yourself, but 
he is the help you need. He'll give you that help. And if he cannot, he will tell you he cannot. And that's, I think, the Blue Zone leader is a Paul Bauer. So thank you a lot for all this time. I loved, I picked up so many things uh, myself. Um, and the best part of this is I can replay. I can replay. And this is why I do podcasts, because I get to learn from uh, Blue Zone leaders like you. And I can replay and I can ask for help again and again. Thank you. Well, such a joy, Manfred. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did and got some valuable nuggets out of it. If you liked it, there are other shows you can watch. They're exactly what you need. And I ask you to like, comment, subscribe. Let me know what you thought of the show. Uh, really, I want to hear from you firsthand what you felt, what you liked, what you didn't like. So thank you and see you around.